Hello, this is Michael Timmons from Kelly Junkies. I'm in Toronto, and I am talking for a sound check. Indecent exposure. You were convicted of indecent exposure for the third time. That's exactly what it is at Poindexter. It is four counts of indecent exposure. Welcome, indie music fans from around the world, to episode number 35 of Indecent Exposure. I'm your host, The Mongrel, and as always, I'll be spinning you a wide selection of choice tracks from far-flung locales and genres. And no, your ears did not deceive you if you thought you heard the voice of Michael Timmons during the cold open. This amazingly talented member of legendary alt-rock blues folk act cowboy junkies spoke with us this past week as the band gets ready to do a micro Northeast U.S. tour. We'll be hearing about 12 or 13 minutes of our talk on this episode, in addition to a couple of tracks off their recent release, All That Reckoning, right here on this episode. Greylock Glass members at the Zinger level, or above, that's a mere $5 a month or more, have access to our full-length conversation with Michael Timmons of Cowboy Junkies. Now, your support is what allows us to keep this alternative news thing alive. So please consider becoming a member at greylockglass.com slash membership today. That's greylockglass.com slash membership. We'll get to our chat with Michael Timmons in the tunes in just a bit. But first, let's open up this show with a group that we've heard from before. Raccoon Raccoon, from France by way of Los Angeles. Uh, They have just released another single, Thunderbird. And if I've been accused of not having a, a softer side, well, I guess featuring this track puts the lie to that notion. So wistful and sweet. You just really have to either start with it or end with it. There's no other way. So here's Thunderbird on Indecent Exposure. I have no fear Right now And right here Laying down Living flow Cause I know That you're mine And we'll be
piece of hair Beyond you here Leaving town Now we're running Out of time Whatever I do You're on my like a tune out of time, right? Again, that's Thunderbird by Raccoon Raccoon. Now, if you're familiar with Cowboy Junkies, but you haven't heard 2018's All That Reckoning yet, you're in for such a treat. Now, I don't review many albums on this show, and I won't be reviewing this one, but I will say that the tracks on this release stack up to any album of originals that they've released to date. Now, if you don't know their work, you might want to pause this episode and go buy a, a download of Pale Sun, Crescent Moon, uh, or maybe the Trinity Session. Have your mind blown and then come back and, and listen to the rest of this episode. Or you could do that later and just enjoy the title track of this latest effort, All That Reckoning, Part 1.
just so much of that cowboy junkie's signature smokiness in that one. And it only gets better from there. As I mentioned, Michael Timmons generously gifted us about 30 minutes of his time, and I've selected some of his answers to questions that are compact enough to present sort of in a block uh, each. Much of the conversation was actually sort of back and forth, and it really showed a lot of the personality behind the lyrics. Um, And I hope you get a chance to hear it. It's it's really good talk. Um, I started off with the obvious question, what is the Cowboy Junkies' origin story? Myself and Alan Anton is the bass player, and we, we've been playing music together for, like, the, the, the Junkies have been together for a little over 30 years, and Alan and I were together before that for about seven or eight years in other bands. So we've been playing music together for over 40 years. Um, and so we, you know, we, we were in a couple of bands. They, they, they dissolved as they always do, and then, we can, but we continued to want to play together, and we were back in Toronto. We we had, we had had been in New York and London, England, and and but ended up back in Toronto. And my it just so happens that my brother was wanted to sit in on us with drums, so we let him do that one day. And and as that sound began to evolve, we my we looked around for a vocalist, and we knew that my sister Margot had sung at one point in her life during like school plays and stuff. So we asked her to sit in, and she did. And and really that was it. <laughs> we kind of went from there. We began to sort of develop a sound. At that time, was sort of around around blues music, but we weren't we weren't trying to copy it, but we were using it sort of as our jumping off point. Like a lot of your classic blues players, like Robert Johnson and Johnny Hooker and Lightning Hopkins, and and um, and that that sound developed, and then we, we incorporated some music, some folk, and some country into what we were doing, and and just sort of grew from there. You know, we never really stopped. We never stopped recording we never stopped touring we just sort of grew and grew as musicians and certainly grew as a band and a live band how we communicate and um, that's sort of it that's that's that basic with lots of 
high points in there, you know, but that's sort of the, 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 the roots of it all. Three going on four decades is a long time. Not just to be in a band, but to be in a band with the same lineup pretty much the entire time and not taking any real hiatus to speak of. How do you do that? I mean, you know, without killing each other. You know, it's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to to, to know that exactly. But um, you know, we 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 definitely get on each other's nerves. You know, I mean, like like any band in, on any in, on the road. You know, we get on each other's nerves. That's it's like any people, right? So we know that. Um, but we, we I, I think we do. We do. We do. We have a larger family too, right? There's six. There's six siblings in all. So there's three of us in the band. So and we all we all are pretty tight, and we all have most of us have kids, and those kids are cousins to each other. So we've always recognized that there's a, a bigger a bigger picture, you know, especially in the in the last 20 years or so when our kids were born. Um, that that you know the family is very important. So if we have issues with the band, then we have to we have to sort those out because we don't want them to leak into the family, right? So easier said than done, but we do, we, we've achieved that. And, and then as far as the freshness goes, it's just, we, we really like playing together, right? We, and we've always sort of focused on the live aspect of what we do. We've always been a live band, even when we're not recording or have a new record out to sell, we we're out on the road, you know, we're, we're playing shows and, and we've adjusted that, how we do that schedule so that we're not burning ourselves out. You know, we're older now. So, you know, the road is very, very difficult and it's, it's extremely exhausting. So we don't, you know, we don't push ourselves. We don't go out for three weeks in a row. You know, we'll go out for like four shows, you know, four shows in a row, then go home, you know, and, and we just sort of make it so that it's still fun, you know, that there's still a bit of, a little bit of energy when we, when we play and when we get together and, and, um, you know, that excitement of connecting musically again. And it's just, we've just been really, really conscious of that and, and recognizing when it's getting stale and we have to take a break and, from each other and from our playing and, and, you know, it's just, it's just kind of this, this real attention to detail and not letting other people di- dictate that. Like we, we know, we know when it's good and we know when it, when it's working and we know when it's not working. And, you know, it, it's just been, we've been very, very conscious of that. So that's how we've sort of done it. Now all cowboy junkies travels and trials and triumphs have brought them to this place and wherever this place in time and space is, it is a point of reckoning. I asked Mr. Timmons, how are we supposed to interpret the word reckoning in this uh, in this context? Well, the rec- I mean, reckoning is, of course, uh, taking stock of, you know, uh, it, it's a it's a it's a it, there's there's that side of it where it's a looking back and taking stock of things and and reassessing and, and looking at one's life or or what's gone before. There's also reckoning as in, in the sense of a, a comeuppance, you know, a um uh, a reckoning of, you know, uh, basically you, you're getting what you, what you, you're paying the bill, you know? Um, and I guess there's also, re- there's the, 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 the term reckon where, where the Knoxville, <laughs> Virginia and the Knoxville call you is like uh, annoying, you know, like, uh, yeah, I reckon, you know, that's like, there's a, sort of a reckoning of, of, of annoying, I guess. So those are a few of them. Even for groups who've established themselves, a fair amount of pressure tends to exert itself from outside influences both artistic and commercial. Mr. Timmons suggested that the cowboy junkies' resolve to stay true to their own ideals may have had a role in attracting such a fiercely loyal following over the years. And, and then and in the days when we were with the majors, with, uh, you know, for about 10 years, which were very important, um, you know, we, again, you know, we, we were very, very aware of outside influence and keeping people outside of our circle, you know, like, 
I think if you talk to anybody who dealt with us as a band on the business side and us as the band, they would say that we were not very open, <laughs> open to them. You know, not, not, not meaning we went open to suggestions, but we, you know, we would take a suggestion and then we would go away and make a decision and come back and tell them. There wasn't a lot, whole lot of collaboration involved with outside non-musician forces, right? So, um, and that's, so it's sort of been, it has been conscious and we kind of, sort of realize that the, the, the live music is the most important thing, but the re- the recorded music is what is a legacy. That's, that's sort of what, you know, that's what people are going to be listening to hopefully um, when we're not playing live. So that's always been very important to us. And we've always, we've always said to ourselves, like one thing we don't want to have is regret at the end of this all. So, so we, we never want to put out a record and then for the wrong reasons, because even if we sort of listen to it 10 years later and go, Oh God, that record sucks. Um, at least when we put it out, we knew that we put it out with integrity, you know, like this is what, this is the statement we wanted to make. Maybe we failed at making it, but at least at the time we thought this was right. This was correct. You know, this is what we want to do rather than, you know, putting out a record because somebody told you, well, you know, if you use this producer or you, you know, you produce it in this certain way, then you'll get a big hit. Um, we've never done that. You know, we sort of all sort of stuck to our guns and because we wanted to go look back on stuff and go, well, you know, it might not have worked, but it, we sure liked it at the time. And so, you know, there's integrity involved. That's, that's sort of our main thing. There's no question that many of the lyrics within all that reckoning seem to resonate especially powerfully in this social and political climate. I wanted to know what it is about his songwriting that still manages to achieve intimacy, even when the subject matter encompasses current events and issues i always go back to myself as a music fan and a music listener and what what i like and um you know what what attracts me to music and what keeps me going back to records you know 20 30 40 years later and and as far as songs are concerned you know as as far as songs that that still have relevance to me um and i find that if something is a bit too pointed and a bit too um you know forcing 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 one's hand or trying to force one the listener to to look in a certain direction or to, or to experience something specifically from the songwriter's perspective. I, generally, I mean, there are some exceptions, but generally I find those songs don't last. They don't work. They might be very exciting and, and work in the moment, but in the long run, they don't. And I, I sort of feel we sort of approach our music from, as I, I think we've talked about a very long-term idea as far as the music is concerned. Um, and, and, and I just feel like the songs that are, that have a personal side to it. So I always feel if I'm getting, if I'm getting a bit too like for lack of a better word, political, I want to somehow bend that so that there's a personal side to it. So there's, there's a micro side to it as well. And cause it, to me, that's more interesting. And it's also allows the listener into the song, right? They can bring their, it doesn't matter what their politics are, what their culture is or what they've come up with. It comes back down to the personal and it comes back down to those one-on-one relationships, which basically my belief is that it, they're all the same. Like that—that's where we—that's where we all connect on the, on the exact same level. It's all those other surfaces and levels that separate us. So if I can get down to that level in a song, even though I'm maybe making a political or social statement in it, then at least that person who doesn't share the political and the social side of it will recognize the the personal side of it and 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 find a way into the song. So that's that's the way I do it. I try anyway. Turns out that Cowboy Junkies has a long history of performance in Western Mass, albeit in the five colleges area of the Pioneer Valley. I did my best to put a bug in Michael's ear about all the great performance opportunities that are 
all over the place in the Berkshires these days. For sure. I mean, we, you know, that area is beautiful. We love, I mean, Northampton is from very early, early days was, was a, a, a real spot for us. The Iron Horse, you know, being one of those, um, you know, classic and, um, uh, iconic, uh, spots. That was for us when we first played that, it was fantastic. So, um, yeah, we've been to that area a lot, but we love it. Yeah, uh, sure. And festivals, especially in that area, would be fantastic. Well, even if we can't get the Cowboy Junkies to add a date in the Berks on this tour, it's really not much of a struggle to get to the Ridgefield Playhouse in Ridgefield, Connecticut on November 9th, or even closer, the Egg in Albany on November 10th. I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes to their tour page so you can get all the details. And to get you primed, let's have one more track off that new release, All That Reckoning. This one's called When We Arrive.
Yes, I tend to lean pretty heavily towards strong songwriting in this show. Not that I don't hold up great musicianship, because I, I definitely try to do that too. But I guess I'm just such a sucker for a good wordsmith. And our next artist is a singer-songwriter who's very much on the rise, as he attracts attention uh, both from music lovers and industry insiders. And it's my own personal extreme good fortune that this musician is in fact based in the Berkshires of Western Mass because I got to sit down with Wes Buckley and his cats at his home in Pittsfield last week. And although we'll be hearing much more of that interview on next week's show, I thought I'd tease you with a snippet of our talk and a track off his soon-to-be-released album, Dancing the Bliss. This song, Golden Runner, is just one in a collection of songs that wade into the light and dark pools of human connection. I guess uh, I think usually what happens is a um, conflict catches my interest, and then I build backwards from, from the point of conflict. So I like whatever, whatever that issue is, it, it kind of holds my attention, as I think it does with most people.
Again, that was Golden Runner off Wes Buckley's upcoming release, Dancing the Bliss, out in November. And if you're in or around Western Massachusetts on Friday, November 8th, you can be right there for Wes's album release party at the Lichtenstein Center for the Arts, presented by the Berkshire Music Project. He'll be sharing the stage with uh, a former musical collaborator, Aaron Durant. Admission is $10. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. Check out the show notes at greylockglass.com for links and more information. Right now, I think it's time to open it up a bit and settle into a long set of tunes. I've got brand new music from three bands and a slightly older song from a group that somehow mysteriously has not been featured on the show yet, so it might be new to you. We'll hear from an artist who's just about our musician and digital residence this year, it seems. Tanya Gallagher brings us Dolphin in the Snow from One Hand on My Heart, released just this summer. I'll spin you Combien de Lune off this year's French import eponyme from the artist Louis Ville. And we'll cap it off with the Tumblr uh, track. Uh, this is the band I've been hoarding all to myself. The Tumblr track Diamond in a Drawer from their 2016 release, Come to the Edge. And we'll kick off the whole block with Wishing Well from the Rad Trads off their 2019 release, On Tap, right here on Indecent Exposure. you 
de tempête se suivait. Combien de sable à m'étouffer et, et combien de lune à t'espérer. among us tonight for the first time may be wondering what is going to happen now. I will tell them, before proceeding to the mysteries which are only for the initiate, it is of course necessary for the minds and souls of us all to become purged and to be made clean. I'm therefore going to ask anyone here who is not in tune with us to submit to a very simple process of control. Nonetheless, 
And that's how I like to do it around here. Away from the mic just long enough for you to start, you know, missing me. And while you might be thinking that I couldn't possibly pack any more tunes into this show, I have managed to save a couple special goodies for the very end. Former Lime Spiders members J.L. Murphy and Phil Hall have teamed up with world-renowned drummer and percussionist Jess Siampa to form Australia-born trio Flowers for Jane. After releasing the single I Want You in the spring of 2019, they started making plans for a North American tour, possibly to kick off later this year. We'll hear their latest single, So Much Better, in just a minute, but first, I thought I'd jump into the controversy swirling this week around the D&B artist Lizzo. When the Dubmatics Pressure remix off her billboard-topping hit Truth Hurts landed in my inbox, I wasn't not going to play it, but I was like, this track has been at number one for a month or whatever. Surely everybody who needed to hear it has heard it somewhere else by now. But I admit... I do like the remix rather a little bit. And I'm not very author... But I admit, I do like the remix rather a little bit. And I'm not often authorized to play tunes that are blowing up in the mainstream media. And one of the whiny little bitches suing Lizzo, Justin Raisin, was quoted in the New York Times as saying... This makes me not want to make music professionally anymore. This is sad. So, Justin, we'll play this track just for your sad ass, because, you know, (laughs) truth hurts. But first, So Much Better by Flowers for Jane.
And that is it for this week's show. Next week's show is actually going to come pretty close on the heels of this one as we get back to our previous uh, Friday release schedule. I'm glad you could spend some time getting indecent with me. You know how I love that. And until next time, support an indie artist, spend 99 cents or whatever, and buy one track this week. That's all you got to do to make a musician's day and maybe even put her that much closer to making rent next month. All right, I'm out of here. <laughs>